listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. A few years back, I was reading a novel, and let me just admit that I don't make it through too many novels. They don't hold my attention for very long, but this one did. Part of the reason it did is because it asked a basic question of why is it that we humans were able to make it when Neanderthals, Cro-Magnons, did not make it? It was asking the question of why is it that we humans made it through, that other uh, stocks of human, humanoids, went extinct? It's an interesting question because... What we know now is that we likely were co-mingling with other groups within our species. And so it raises the question of why are we here? And this book believed that this central reason that humans survived was because humans have the capacity of being dishonest, (laughs) of being able to tell a lie, and that that was what caused it. Because we know from fossil records that Cro-Magnon, Neanderthals, were more powerful, more strongly built, more built for survival. And yet we humans, with our uh, more uh, soft and and more uh, or weaker systems, survived. And so the book asked this fundamental question of why didn't the stronger species survive? Lying was the answer. Very interesting precept because it, it engulfs a whole lot of our lives about how we are dishonest with each other. But today, I don't want to talk about how we're dishonest with each other, but how we're dishonest with ourselves, because we have this unique ability to not just be dishonest with those around us, but even with ourselves. We have those little lies that we tell ourselves. So today, I want to talk about how those little lies we tell ourselves get in our way of restoring a marriage, how our self-deception keeps us often stuck. And let me first say that I'm talking about self-deception that happens both within your spouse and within you, that both people play these games of self-deception that can get us into trouble. So let me talk about five little self-deceptions that I think tend to get us into hot water when we're in the midst of a marriage crisis. The first one is it's not my fault. I hear this very often from people saying, it's not my fault we're in trouble. It's not my fault that we have this marriage crisis. It's not my fault. And many times they back that up with facts. It's not my fault my spouse had an affair. It's not my fault you know, I've been trying to connect. It's not my fault I have been living a full life. But let me also warn you that many people have told me that their spouse is proclaiming the same thing. It's not my fault. So the spouse is refusing to do anything because the spouse doesn't see any place that they are to blame. Does that that little game, little self-lie sound familiar? Do you see the places where you play the it's not my fault game? It's not my fault is used as a way of choosing not to move forward many times. Because if it's not my fault, the next step is there's nothing I can do. If I start with the the precept that this is not my fault, then I relieve myself of responsibility in doing something about it. That's really the heart of this little self-deception. It keeps us from having to take 
and this is the big word of the day, responsibility for what's happened. It keeps us from taking responsibility for how we move forward. So let me clarify now that there is a huge difference between fault and responsibility. And when we use fault, it's a way of distancing ourselves from responsibility, but they are not the same thing at all. When we say it's not my fault, we're talking about blame. There's somebody to blame for how this is broken. Somebody caused this. I've come to believe that looking for causation is a huge waste of time. I have many people who have come into my office and they've spent lots of time trying to figure out what caused something to happen. When I worked with people as individuals, they would look at their childhood and their parents and all these things around them that caused them to be who they are. And what I noticed is sometimes they were looking so hard for what caused them to be that way that they were no longer trying to figure out how to make it change. So they were looking for blame. They were looking for whose fault it was rather than asking the secondary and much more powerful question, how can I take responsibility? If you want to destroy that lie we tell ourselves, that little self-deception of it's not my fault, change it over to how can I be responsible? Responsible is a combination of two words, response and able, able to respond. So the question is not whose fault it is, but the question is, what can you do about that? How can you move forward given what's going on? That to me is a much more powerful question and much more interesting because when we're doing the other, the, it's not my fault, we're just going on an archaeology dig. We're looking through old bones and trying to assess what happened back there rather than asking what are the opportunities right now? What are the things that can happen right now going forward? I'm not so much interested in how we got to here as how we can get to there. And the there is how to have a satisfying, loving, supportive, connecting relationship. That's never found in the bone digs. That's never found in the archaeology digs. It's never found in playing the game of it's not my fault. Now, here is one little little point of this. You can't say to a spouse, you are responsible. What are you going to do about this? You can ask the question, how can I be responsible given where we are? In some ways, when we demand our spouse to be responsible, we're playing the blame game ourselves. We're saying you need to do this because it is your fault. And my suggestion is we step back and ask the responsibility question, what can I do given where we are? It's much harder to hide at that place. It's much harder to hide in the bounds of responsibility than it is to put it off when we say it's not my fault. So the rule of responsibility is to ask, what do I do from here? The second little game we like to play is there's nothing I can do. This is kind of related to that responsibility thing, and usually it's the follow-up to, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. There's nothing I can do. I believe there's always something you can do. Now, let me be very clear. I don't mean that you can always save every marriage. That's not a possibility. There are going to be marriages that cannot be saved, and then there are some marriages that should not be saved, abusive relationships particularly. But the ones that cannot be saved is when a spouse just will not step in back into the relationship no matter what you do. 
that doesn't mean that there aren't things that can be done at any point. Remember, we are all here to live as big a life as possible. We're here to live out our existence as big as we can. And that always calls us to change. It always causes us to grow. So there's always a place of personal growth and change that's possible. And many times, there's also a place to work on reconnecting with a spouse. So when people say, there's nothing I can do, part of what they're deciding is there's nothing they will do. Notice the difference there. I've talked about this in other podcasts, that there is a huge difference between can I do something and will I do something. In fact, there's a huge difference between the negatives of that. I can't is often I won't do anything. So many times we say I can't, there's nothing I can do, which is I can't do anything. And it really is a matter of recognizing it's I won't do anything. I always have a place where I can work on changing myself, growing, and becoming all I can be. There's always a place of movement. The third little self-deception we play is either it's there or it's not. I hear this many times with people. They say, you know, we felt it one time. We had a lot of passion, but, you know, it's like that. It's either it's there or it's not. And if it's not there, there's nothing you can do about it. The interesting thing is it's easy to hold that in the moment and hard to hold that in retrospect. Remember, at one point, you probably didn't have it there, right? That somewhere along the way, your relationship caught fire. That's what generally happens. Maybe you had some interest in someone. Maybe you even had some some level of infatuation with them. But at some point, the connection grew. It took fire. It took hold. And so it's a growing process there. And by the way, it was a growing process backward, disconnection follows a similar path as connection. So connection grows and builds on itself and disconnection grows and builds on itself. Connection is something that is built and nurtured or it begins to dissipate. If it's dissipated, that doesn't mean there's nothing that can be done. And this is the real challenge because I don't hear people saying on the front side when they're all connected and loving each other, either it's there or it's not. But it's when it's not there that they play this game. And they play this game as a way of escaping the fact that it can be rebuilt. It just takes some time and effort. Just as connection comes undone, disconnection can be undone. Disconnection can lead to further connection, to reconnection. Many times people are amazed to hear the stories of people who have struggled through their marriage and arrived at a place where they have a satisfying, loving, supportive, connected relationship. And that's the problem. We take snapshots of the people around us, not knowing that many people have walked a similar path. And take it a step further, the ebb and flow of connection is present in even the best of relationships. In even the best marriages, there are going to be times when you feel more and less connected. It's not an either it's there or it's not. It's more about the wavelength at any point in time. You might be at the bottom of the trough, but that doesn't mean it won't come back up to connection. And we fool ourselves as a way of saying, see, it's either it's there or it's not, as if if it's there, we don't have to do anything about it. And if it's not, there's nothing that can be done. If it's there, we nurture it and care for it. If it's not there, we can rebuild and work back towards it. 
it is never the case that it's either there or it's not. Connection comes and goes, ebbs and flows, depending on how we address that need. Then there's another little game that's very related to that one, which is the game of it shouldn't be this hard. I've heard this so many times from people who say, you know, it just shouldn't be this hard. If this marriage was meant to be, it shouldn't be this hard. If this relationship is what it should be, it shouldn't be this hard. We shouldn't have to work at it. And my response is to ask, where else in life do you apply that rule? Because as far as I know, anything that is important and worthwhile is hard and takes effort. Anything. Have you met anybody who is trying to get in better shape who says, well, it shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't have to lift these weights in order to get back into shape. I shouldn't have to push myself. I shouldn't have to huff and puff because I'm out of breath from exertion. Or how about the people who change their diet? Do you know people who say, oh, that was pretty easy. You know, I went from eating all this yummy foods to eating healthy foods. No, people complain about how hard it is to make the changes. Or have you heard people who enrolled in college and they come out saying, well, that was easy. You know, I didn't put any effort into that. Well, let me say that differently. Have you met anybody who seemed to have taken advantage of their college education who didn't come out saying, wow, you know, that, that stretched me, that pulled me. I had to learn. I had to work through that stuff. The fact is that anything that's important in life takes effort. Anything that's important in life is going to have its hard times. I haven't met anyone who is at any level of importance that says that was easy to get here. You know that easy button? It doesn't exist. There is a struggle in life that brings us strength. That's the nature of life. If we want to build a muscle, we work that muscle. If we want to build a relationship, we put the work into the relationship. If we want to get a new job, we gain new skills. We work at it. We apply for other positions. We work through the process. If we want a strong marriage, we put the effort in. Sometimes I think that we've got it wrong, that we have this belief that if it was this hard, it's just not meant to be. Instead of saying, if it's this hard, it must be important. That if we're struggling about this, it must mean that it's important for us to get through the struggle. That doesn't mean that your marriage has to be all about fights and arguments and rough times. But to see that sometimes the hard stuff of moving through conflicts and moving through tough times in life is about joining together stronger and stronger. I have a belief that you either come together as a team or you come apart at the seams when you have those difficult times. You either come together as a team or come apart at the seams. The difficult times are what help us to build the strengths of the marriage, of of giving the sustaining place of that relationship. There's been a lot of research that shows that even our bones are built like this, that one way to make strong bones is is to kind of put the bones through a pounding. Did you know that runners who are running on those bones create stronger bones? Did you know that people who are gymnasts moving around, bouncing around, impacting their bones have stronger bones? Did you know that jumping rope builds up those bones? Not because it's easy, but because it challenges that. Now think about the opposite. We, we take astronauts into space and their bones become less and less dense. Because it's easy there. There's no motion. There's no gravity. There's nothing that they have to fight against. They're just floating through space. So there's no pressure on their bones. The same is true for relationships. 
when there's nothing trying a relationship, the relationship can get kind of get soft. But when there are challenges to the relationship, when there are things that mean you have to be intentional and move through the relationship, the relationship gets stronger. The relationship should be this challenging if you want it to be strong. And the last one is blank isn't an issue. And this is a fill in your blank kind of question. Blank, what is that blank? It might be some substance. You know, people will say, well, the alcohol is not the issue. The marijuana is not the issue. The drugs aren't the issue. It's not this, this that, that's the issue. It's not the gambling. It's not this other person that's an issue. It's not depression or anxiety that's the issue. Well, here's the fact. All of that is an issue. All of that is part of what makes it a struggle through life sometimes. All of that is what makes marriage a challenge because we all have our issues. It is including those issues. It may not be only those issues, but it certainly includes those issues, which brings us back to that first place of responsibility. How do I take responsibility for my issues? And how do I leave the responsibility for my spouse's issues to my spouse? How can I make sure that I step into my responsibility to do what I can, to understand that it can be rebuilt, and to understand that there are times when it's a challenge, but it's worth it. If you found yourself at that challenging place and you're not sure how to take responsibility, not sure how you can do what you can and how to move through this process, I want to invite you to grab my Save the Marriage system. You can find it by going to savethemarriage.com and grab the system and get started in rebuilding your marriage so that it can be everything you want it to be, even through the tough times. This is Lee Balkum wishing you a great marriage listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.